Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome to Parenting Naked Collaborative, and this is hard. Um, today, we have a special guest. I'm pleased to welcome my friend Yael to the show. Uh, just a warning to anybody with uh, sensitive sensitivities towards talking about female anatomy, because today that will be our topic, is talking about female body postpartum. So um, if you have little kids around or maybe are not comfortable hearing about that in detail, then this would be I'm your first Hit pause and sign out. Um, That's great. But uh, so today we're going to talk um, specifically about postpartum. And Yael has a specialty in this postpartum um, body repair. So um, welcome to the show. Can you tell us? Your full name, oh, if you're comfortable, you don't have to give your last name if you don't want. Um, and then how many pregnancies you've had and how many children you have. My name is Yael Trainer. I am 38 years old. I've had three pregnancies. I have two babies. I have a one-year-old, I guess not three. I have a one-year-old and a three and a half-year-old. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're, we're so excited. So, um, so we just uh, wanted to kind of make this conversational. I'll share anecdotal stuff about what my experience has been with prolapse. Um, but overall, just kind of wanted to talk about what you can expect after having a baby um, and the different ways to advocate for yourself. I think um, women, you know, we we make up over half the population, but we're still marginalized. And the way that that shows up um, can be in the workplace, a number of different ways, but also definitely in medical field. Um, and so we need to know what it is we need for our bodies postpartum and how do we ask for and get those needs met. Sorry guys, hold on just a second. Oh. <laughs> we're, we're all at home right now. I need right to now. just check on my kiddo real quick. We're all at home right now, uh, so this is the uh, grassroots part that all of our kids are with us right now. So I mean, <laughs> I I can hear mine very nearby. So you, I'm not. There's nothing that I haven't seen. I take yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect. Dina, um, how many kids do you have? Um, I have two teenagers, two boys, uh, seventeen and nineteen. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm on the other end, so. Yeah. <laughs> so there's light on the other side? Yeah, I mean, it, it comes in a whole different way. You know, your stressors are completely different at this stage, but yeah, it's a lot easier, a lot of, lot more autonomy as a parent at this point, so. Okay, yeah. keep telling me that, please. Right, it's coming. <laughs> you said you had a one-year-old and a three-year-old? Yeah. 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 Yep. I, I'm it, in it. <laughs> and of course, you'll hate, everybody always says, oh, they grow up so fast. And I hated hearing that, but it's really mm -hmm. true. Now I'm like, yeah. yeah, but it's true. They grow up so fast. So, okay. I'll try to keep your voice <laughs> in my head. <laughs> it's right. so funny because, yeah, I hear that too. And I'm like, I feel every second of every day. And it does get frustrating to hear that. But then, yeah, like three years goes by and you're like, oh my God, I can't even remember when you were an infant. Like that went by just like yesterday. Like time and space are so different when you have kids. Yes. 
Um, I, it's funny, I love baby babies. And so I'm kind of like, oh, where's my, where's my baby baby? So I get it. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. really in it. <laughs> yes. Um, Everyone okay, Gretchen? Well, August fell off the back of the couch onto the hardwood floor and hit her head. So she's really unhappy right now. And poor baby. I, Little pumpkin. I know. That hurts. She's got a big Ab- on her head. Adler used to fall off the back of our couch all the time because it's not up against the wall. It's like kind of an L-shaped. And so he would like topple over it. And sometimes like three or four times in a row, we were like, really, man? Like, what are you doing? After a while, we're like, we think he likes it. <laughs> he was little and just would bonk his head because he didn't have the reflexes to get his hands. <laughs> but, oh, oof. but it, yeah, it hurts to watch. Um, how disruptive is that, Danan? Should I go get headphones? I don't hear it very much. I think it's fine. Okay. It's worse. Sorry. We'll, we'll transition. Uh, where were we? So we're talking about the female body after delivery. So um, just how we need to be able to know what it is that we need, how to ask for what we need. Um, and so um, Yael is well-versed in that, that topic. And we actually met because we are going to a prenatal class to help with um, like pelvic floor strength to prepare us for delivery. And we really just um, like, it, I guess became acquainted that way, but then later met again through our neighborhood and a mutual friend. So I'm happy to say that we are now on a path of friendship and we just have happened to be in the same like prenatal class together. So um, I'll talk a little bit about my experience. I think that's maybe a good jumping off point. You guys have heard me talk about prolapse before. Um, so I, I had a cesarean for my first uh, child and then uh, it was important to me to have a vaginal delivery. That was the experience I wanted for my second. And so I had a VBAC and I guess be careful what you ask for because everything comes with pros and cons. And out of that experience, I ended up with prolapse. So um, yeah, maybe this would be a good place to just explain what that is and why it happens. I also have, um, not to step on your toes, but maybe explain what a VBAC is. Because I don't know if everybody would know what that is. Good point. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people do know what that is. Um, So VBAC stands for, thank you for, for, helping me out with that. I just sort of skipped right over that. Um, it stands for vaginal birth after cesarean. So back in the day, it used to be like, if you had a cesarean, you would from that point forward, continue to have cesareans and they didn't really make it an option for women to be able to have different birth experiences after they've had a cesarean. Um, so VBAC is when you have a vaginal delivery after a cesarean. Um, I think that's important to know because it puts um, th- your body is different from the scar tissue from the C-section. And so there's a different pressure, which is why we, you were in the class to um, strengthen your pelvic floor before going into it. Uh-huh. Um, so to talk about prolapse, um, the pro- a prolapse is uh, th- when your organs, your internal organs start to descend um, and 
it's usually the rectum, not usually, it is either the rectum, the uterus, the um, your bladder or your uh, vaginal vault. Those are the things that can come down. Um, and it is caused by a weakening, a loosening, or a um, kind of a dysfunction of the muscles and the tissue that's holding all of that up. Um, so people might say, you know, my vagina is coming out or my uterus is coming out. It's not that it's actually coming out. It's that the mesh or the tissue that's holding it up has started to descend down. People can have really severe prolapses, um, like a level five or whatever. And then at that point, there's nothing other than a repair that will actually repair the mesh, the, the tissue to hold everything back up. So in lay terms, it can feel like something is either coming from the front hole or the back hole. And it's a downward, at its best, it's a downward pressure. At its worst, it actually feels like you're sitting on a golf ball. Um, I know that women have found their prolapse themselves by actually seeing something come out of their the holes in their vagina or their, their butt. Um, so it, do, yep. it does it hurt or could it hurt? So it, it, from my personal experience, it's a severe discomfort. It's very scary because you're like, you look in between your legs and you can actually see something that you don't see on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. um, and when you sit, there's actual a physical thing, depending on what level of your prolapse that you're sitting on. <laughs> so um, it's, it can cause extreme discomfort um, okay. and, and it can lead to other pain for mm -hmm. my, and I know that people have pain from it. From my personal experience, it was just so uncomfortable. Um, and I yeah. got it with my third delivery. Um, okay. I had a, two births very close together and my body just wasn't prepared. Um, my muscles and tissues and, you know, your bones move, your organs move. And we don't, I was telling Gretchen this earlier, we don't give credit to our bodies. Um, and we also don't have the proper help in rebuilding before we either have another child or before we move on with our lives um, and raise yeah. children. Uh -huh. um, so for me, it was just so uncomfortable. Uh, I would get like a feeling of descent, like a downward pull. Yeah. Um, Gretchen probably has more experience with the like the more severe prolapse than I had. Um, Actually, mine wasn't very severe, but I, I, I would describe it similarly to yours. And thank you for your description, first of all, because I've talked to Misty and Janan about this before. And they were like, so like, it's outside of you. And I'm like, no, you guys, it's not like it's like dragging down the hallway behind me. It's like, it's like never used to be, but it's still in my body. Um, but anyway, so it sparked some funny conversation before on this podcast. Well, it is a, it's a, an interesting mental image when it's the first time that you've ever heard about it, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. I think I you know. this scenario of like, there's something falling out your vagina, like your internal, but so it's good that we're, you're going and saying that's, that's not really what. Uh-huh. Uh-oh, Misty, you're cutting out on us. Yeah. 
Oh, that's all. I just made a statement. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's no, it's okay. Uh, but we we lost part of you. Do you want to say it again? I think she's frozen. Okay, we're gonna keep going. Anyway, so uh, for me, it was similar to what y'all described. It was um, like a pressure. Like I noticed it most when I had been on my feet for a long time that day. Um, I noticed it when I lifted something heavy, I could feel a pressure in my pelvis. Um, and definitely um, when I went to my six week appointment, you know, when you, I don't know if anybody's ever been told this after delivering a baby, but my um, labor and delivery nurse was like, whatever you do when you go home, don't look down there. <laughs> she told me that. And um, so I, I listened to those recommendations and I didn't until I think I was about six weeks postpartum. And then when I did look sort of to like investigate, you know, my scarring and things like that, I did notice like this like pink bulge and I could see. And I was like, well, that's not that I've never seen before. So I was very concerned, which I think that prompted me to bring it up at my six week appointment. But also, and I was telling y'all this, um, I had a colleague that told me, um, she said, when you have your baby, ask to be referred to PT. And I was like, what are you talking about? She was like, you, you'll need it, your body will need it, just tell your OB that you wanna go to PT. And I probably would never have thought to bring up this issue had she not prepared me and told me, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, so definitely when I saw something that looked different, um, you know, I, I definitely knew to, to say something and to ask for something. So this, this is where I go on my tangent. So please stop me um, if no, it's go not away. appropriate. But the fact that she had to hear from a colleague that she should ask for physical therapy after growing a baby for 10 months and then delivering a baby, which can take for most of us, many of us, days is offensive. Um, you know, my husband broke his ankle and he was in a cast for six weeks and he got three months of physical therapy without even asking for it. Um, I can't believe that women get sent home from a hospital without physical therapy of, of any kind and emotional mental therapy, but that's probably for another podcast. Um, uh, and, and I think on top of that, and Gretchen, you had brought this up, what a pelvic floor PT does is very personal. And there also needs to be some forewarning for that, um, it's similar to a gynecological appointment. Um, but I mean, nine months of growing a baby, your bones move, your rib cage grows, your organs shift. And, and that's not even the delivery part. And so if I can give anything, it's that every woman, if they aren't getting it, I wish every woman just got PT, they were referred a PT immediately. But if they weren't, that every woman knew to ask for it. Uh -huh. And oh my gosh, can you, you imagine? It would, it, it would yeah. solve so many, you know, and I, these poor women who have gone years with a prolapse or painful sex even, like that's not how you have to live the rest of your life. And painful sex is actually a pretty easy fix. And lesser degrees of prolapse, honestly, you can fix with 
Pilates or a little PT or just knowing mm-hmm. what you need to know. And, you know, very often the first thing women do is walk. They take their baby in the stroller and they believe that the best thing they should do is walk. Well, with a prolapse, beyond like beyond jumping and running and lifting really heavy things, walking is the worst thing you can do because that creates more downward gravity and more pressure. And it makes these women more uncomfortable, but they don't know any better. And it's, and it's just, it's actually so sad to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's sad too, because I know when I had my first kiddo, Randall was just like, we've got to get up and start walking. We've got to go, 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 go. And there would have been little like empathy or sympathy had I said it hurt or this is really uncomfortable. It would have been like, well, you just had a baby kind of thing. Um, and I had to like get on to Randall too. Like after my C-section, he thought that I needed to get up and start doing like the stairs climber afterwards. And we, we went to like the well-being check like the second week and the doctor was like basically Randall cut it out like she just had major surgery so yeah there's not a whole lot of education to spouses or us about what we should or should not be doing right after we have these babies yeah yes I agree um and I think you know we're pushed uh, first of all if you have a baby more often than not you're gonna have stitches somewhere there are lucky women who don't, but most have stitches somewhere on their body. And now they're having to take care of an infant or like a brand new baby and lean over and pick them up and hold them all day long. And your body's not physically actually, I mean, it can do the things. Women's bodies are amazing, but there's help and there's structural things that have happened to your body. It's a new body. And it just went through major trauma. Like, even if you have a beautiful delivery, it went through major trauma mm-hmm. and nobody, it's not given the credit it deserves or the attention it needs. Mm-hmm. 100%. And, and the other thing that like gets me just like societal wise is when you see these celebrities who like, they show a picture of them like a week after and they have like zero body fat and they're up and moving around. And I think that it's unfair for 98% of women who don't have a personal trainer or things did not go well. I mean, I think the statistic is 30% of births are traumatic birthing experiences. So imagine having those traumatic births, having prolapse, and then seeing, you know, your favorite celebrity online getting up and rebounding and thinking like, well, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, why is my body doing this and kind of going into that self-blame at times? Hopefully they don't, but. I I would be surprised, you know, if, and like my third delivery, I had resources and it's still, I'm only a year out and I'm still having to like remind myself that like my left leg's not that strong and that's okay. And that's a minor thing, let alone like Gretchen and I touched on this, the body image thing and seeing people who don't look like you and who aren't you know, sagging in places and sweating all the time <laughs> and, and then being told to like, get up and do the thing and take care of this baby, if not more children. And yeah. it's, it's so much pressure. It's so yeah. pressure. And even something as simple as, Hey, can you give me a PT referral? Can somebody else look at my body? 
Yeah. Somebody else tell me that this is okay. This isn't okay. This mm-hmm. should be your natural progress. This isn't natural or nor normal. I quoted that. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, gyne- OBGYN's job is to get you and that baby delivered safely. There, I, I am not a doctor in any way, but six weeks after is very soon. And their job is to see you at six weeks, tell you to go, that you're okay to work out and check a few boxes that you don't have like severe, severe postpartum anxiety slash depression, which I just learned from Gretchen today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then they're done. And they, because they did their job. Their job is to give you your life and your baby their life. And that's it. But we all go to them to tell us but we don't know what to ask for. Exactly. Yeah, yeah we need to have a mm-hmm. podcast on what to ask your doctors for. What is okay? What is not okay? Um, because, the first yeah, thing when to ask for is a, a physical therapy referral. Sorry to cut you off, but that's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and we, I just feel like this this topic to me is important, not just because I lived some of this experience, but because. Well, maybe, well, yeah, because I lived this experience and because nobody I talked to knew what the hell I was talking about. That shouldn't be the way it is. Like that shouldn't, and that it took another woman telling me, giving me a heads up before I delivered, like, hey, you should look into this. You should ask your doctor about this. For me to even have the wherewithal to know that that is something that is available that I, and that I might need, that my body might need. I had no idea. So why isn't that a part of like every woman's education when they go into child, you know, childbearing? Like, why, why don't we talk about that? Why don't we prepare women? Um, and I just think it's a shortfalling. And that's why I think both Yael and I like feel strongly about telling people about this and, and helping other women be in the know. I agree. I, agree. <laughs> I also like being on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so when you talk about all things postnatal, I would love to come back. Yes, we would love to have you. Absolutely. Um, is is there a resource for women so we can be better educated that I can put out to our listeners? Um, because this is so foreign to all of us. Do you have a couple of resources you would recommend? Um, I have. Uh, so. I, in, I'm not, I'm now going to plug myself in the future. I'm actually, I'm in the process of creating a business that is all first year postpartum, physical, mental, emotional, um, and a holistic approach. It's called moms on the upside. And it is in the process in the interim. Um, there are some amazing pelvic floor PTs. The one I know well is Leah Klein at Klein physical therapy. She if she can't see you, she sure as heck will get you into somebody who can. Um, Jessica Vallant uh, knows everything there is to know about prolapse, um, hysterectomies, um, mm-hmm. uh, endometriosis, and ha- bearing, bearing children with endometriosis. Um, and she's a huge um, educator of IVF. Um, so those two are dear friends of mine. Um, but I my personal belief is that it's very, it's a holistic, it's a whole body, a whole person approach to that first year postnatal. Um, sure. And so, yeah, 
my goal is to create something that educates and gives women the knowledge and the body health and the mental health. Um, if they need it, great. If they don't, they at least know that they have access to it. Well, what um, a fantastic opportunity for women, you know, new moms and whatnot, because it's not always a walk in the park and it's maybe we can have a huge shift change here in our, in our country. Um, love that. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. then for postnatal fitness, Melissa Levy is just okay. one of the best. Um, so those three kind of cover the body aspect. Um, and I am so glad to know Gretchen and to meet you too, because the mind and the heart, I think are a huge part of the, mm -hmm. the healing. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I really hope to continue my work in this field because it really matters to me. Mm -hmm. so. When you, yeah. When you get moms on the upside going, can we plug your website and have everybody keep in touch? I would love that so very, very much. <laughs> That'd be great. That um, would be so wonderful. What, is, what will your website be? Momsontheupside.com. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, it's coming. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, we can't wait for you to get that going. It's awesome. I might yeah. be coming back to pick your guys' brains about it. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're yes, we, we're all about collaboration. That's what we're about. We don't want to reinvent the wheel, but Mom, we want to help empower people, especially women. So this is awesome. Uh -huh. Yeah. I, I appreciate what you guys are doing so very much. Thank you. And I think we both have, you know, similar mission in mind. And that is, it's not just about baby <laughs> after, after uh, we bring a baby into this world, you know, there's, it's important that you are, I think uh, Yael said, said it to me earlier that you're not just surviving, but you're thriving and that you're doing well. And that you, I think that there's so many layers to that, right? Because we've talked before about mom guilt, had a, I think an episode on that. But that's a real, real thing. Um, and I think for a lot of women, the baby does become the primary focus. And it's like, where are they? Where is their healing process? Where is, you know, them getting back to baseline is, it's just overshadowed. Um, and it doesn't have to be that way. And you can love yourself. And it doesn't take away from how much you love your baby. Um, they can, they can both coexist, right? Well, Self-love and love for baby. So I think it's a. I agree with that statement. I love that statement. Thanks. <laughs> I have a client that she is, has prolapse and I mean, it's really, really hard for her. Um, she feels like her, her life as she knew it was basically over. And um, there's a lot of grief and loss her around that I mean just so much sadness feeling like she can't go hiking anymore or she can't go and weight lift you know that she's only going to be able to do like 20 pounds or more and so I mean I guess I would like you to speak to that like do you feel like there it there is hope do you feel like there's like a continuum of prolapse yeah. can you go into that um so I personally understand the feeling that your life as you knew it was over um, I was a big runner um, and I had to 
I thought that I had to grieve all this loss. And the way I emote is through physical movement. Um, I was a dancer for my whole life. Um, and so I didn't know, I, I understand completely what your client is saying. It's so sad, especially if that is your way of connecting into the world. Um, <clears throat> and then you have a baby to be responsible for. Um, I don't know her level of prolapse, but she can start by going to see a pelvic floor PT. Mm-hmm. Um, has she done any, do you know if she's tried to see a doctor or? Yeah, she's going to PT and she found a person that has, has prolapsed as well. And so this person seems really trauma informed, very supportive and actually is, is helping them out like a lot. I mean, significantly, um, and kind of an inspiring hope, but she yeah, does go back into so much hope. This woman is not at the end of her path for any of the things that it sounds like she wants to do. There is tons of exercise she can do to strengthen herself back up, um, to really work the pelvic floor. I'd be more than willing to see her talk to her privately. Um, but in no way, shape or form is she, is this the end for her? Um, I think there's a grieving period and Mm -hmm. then there's a lot of work that can be done. And, you know, Gretchen, if you don't mind, Mm-mm. had surgery, mm-hmm. um, depending on how bad it is, they can actually repair it. And then you deal with that and you take the steps you need to and you, you can do all the things in your life. I actually started running a few weeks ago. I did not have a terrible mm-hmm. prolapse, um, but I had one that was enough that like I couldn't walk wash bar, not a chance. Mm-hmm. I was in debilit like I was just I couldn't stand up for any longer when I got home um and you can strengthen your hips you can strengthen your low like there is so many steps she can take to get back to where she wanted to be Uh so many she like please tell her and I have numerous resources she can use me as a resource um there's so many things that can be done. And if worse comes, you know, she can have a surgical procedure where they put a mesh in and they lift it up. Um, I think it's a mesh. I don't quote me on that. Um, mm-hmm. And right, Gretchen, it's a mesh. Yeah. I didn't have that. Oh, okay. Well, they can repair it. But that, but that <laughs> is a repair option. I think like if you have the bladder one where your bladder is yeah. falling, then they put like a mesh, a surgical mesh and lift the bladder back up. I, I don't know, like, in what instances that's the most appropriate intervention. But for me, so I had only a level one prolapse. And so the scale does, I think Misty, you asked like, what's the uh, continuum? Continuum. (laughs) So uh, I think it goes all the way up to five. So five would be pretty severe. Um, I had just a a one. Um, And so mine technically did not require any surgical intervention. The reason that I elected to have surgery is because I know myself well enough to know that if there's anything I'm consistent with, it's being inconsistent. (laughs) So I knew like PT was not going to work for me because I wasn't going to do the exercises in between the appointments. I just know myself. Like I just knew in addition to having now two kids and being overwhelmed, like me at the end of the day, like on my bed doing my little exercises was never going to happen. And so because of that, I was like, okay, so I know I'm not going to do what I need to do to get where I need to get repair wise. 
So I elected to have the surgery. And for my surgery, I had prolapse. I don't know the technical terms, but the front and the back. So um, what they, what my OB did when he performed the surgery was um, suture up the sides of the vagina so that it adds structure and the adhesions from the scarring add structure. So it sort of pulls everything back up into place. So that's what my surgery will and you can, as long as your prolapse isn't really severe, you can do a lot of that through Pilates, through PT, through, you know, the exercises. But I have to give Gretchen kudos. She knew that, like, she wasn't going to do that. So she did what she could do so that she could go on with her life. Um, I understand That's that it's right. debilitating. And it truly feels like you're sitting on a, a it feels like you're sitting on something, like, and, and if you don't know what it is, you're trying to like move, shift around and, but you're sitting on something. Um, and, but it, it, it is repairable for many, many, many women. Yeah, that's great. That's great to hear. Um, and so our listeners will know too, like, you know, there's stuff that can be done, but this is the end of your life it's not the end of having children it just means that there's just more to do more to do to help and that it can be gradual it sounds like it can be aggressive if you need it to be and just taking it day by day yeah yeah and I think with, like, oh sorry no go ahead I was just gonna say I think that you know me having a one and not having first of all I would have never had I not brought it up I feel like it wouldn't have been identified I, I mean, I, yes, my OB knew like you have a slight prolapse, but would that have prompted him to give me a referral? Probably not at the stage that I was at. I probably wouldn't have gotten a referral to PT if I didn't ask for it. And if I wasn't so alarmed when I went <laughs> into my six week appointment, he was like, so many questions. I was like, yes, I have, what is that? Yeah. He, goes, he literally examined me and goes, honey, that's your vagina. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, it is? And he was like, yes. I go, well, I've never seen it before. <laughs> so I just was not accustomed to like, because well, your vagina no, is not supposed should to be, be yeah, hanging it's not down. It's supposed to be there, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so we I, can uh, all, uh, what is it, fried green tomatoes where they, yeah. they all sit in a circle with their mirrors and look at their vagina? Should we institute <laughs> <laughs> <do> that? <laughs> Before, baby. yeah, before baby vagina and after baby vagina. Yeah, no, so I, I no. Think about, like, if, somebody, if somebody was a one and just thought, this is just how my body's going to be. Like, I think that's a huge portion of women. I think that, that there's a lot of women that just think, oh, well, things changed. I heard that this could happen. And then sex isn't the same and exercise isn't the same. And they just accept that as fact of childbearing. Like that's yeah. just how it is, yeah. but it doesn't well, feel I, like that way. And I think it, it, what a disservice. I mean, you think about all of the therapists out there who are working with women who say sex is painful, even sex therapists out there. And if we don't know that that could be a cause, like, you know, we could be sending our clients on a wild goose chase of different things or assume trauma in some kind of way. But really knowing that that's a symptom, I think we can help coach and guide 
couples who are coming in and, and the client is saying it's really painful. I'm trying to avoid it and questioning that part, right? Like I, I never would have questioned that. I never would have said anything about that because I didn't know anything about it. So yeah, well, again, some, it's just so important. Sometimes I think, you know, I had a client one time and she had had a baby eight years prior and she was like, sex still hurts. I'm like, what? And she didn't have a prolapse. She had had a baby and her muscles had tightened and her muscles had shifted. And so a PT went in there, moved the muscles, relaxed some of the muscles and she could have sex again. And it took three sessions. Wow. And, 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 you know, that was eight years of her life that she just, and she was, wasn't telling it to me for any other reason other than like, she she brought it up. She didn't even like look, cause we, um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Um, but she brought it up to me and I was like, oh, you, you don't have to live like that yeah. at all ever. Yeah. And yeah. so what we, oh. what we need to be encouraged to do is have these conversations with our girlfriends and our spouses yeah. or partners or whatever, and maybe change that stigma, right? There apparently is still a very big stigma that we can't talk about sex. Uh, and I think too, I had gone to my OB after, my first or second, I don't remember because it's been so long. And I said, you know, what can we do to make sex more comfortable? Um, and I don't remember. I got a really just quick re- response and was like, uh, basically to the point, well, you must not be stimulated enough. And it's just not, you know, things aren't working the way they should because, you know, it sounds like a relationship issue. And I was like, whoa, that's not the answer I was looking for. I felt like it was a physical issue. But if that's the case, you know, Gretchen, your OB is laughing at you like this is something normal. My OB was saying, oh, yeah, you must be a relationship issue. Well, then we are kind of made to shut up and not talk about it here as women talking about something that I think we should all have permission to talk about now. So I, I guess my takeaway is let's have this conversation more often. Uh Yeah. I don't know. hundred percent. Gosh, can you, I can't even imagine like this is a relationship problem or that's so judgmental. It's so offensive because yeah. he's basically well, saying, oh, you, it, that's on you. You better go figure that yeah, out. Exactly. I think he could have, he could have gone deeper, like, okay, well, it sounds like, you know, it's hormonal or, you know, something's not stimulated the way it used to be. Who knows? I don't know. But yeah, I was like, well, that was a really kind of asshole response. And, uh-huh. and fortunately he retired quickly after, but I'll tell you, I'm not sure the office ever got any better. So, you know. Uh-huh. I didn't have more children, but, <laughs> um, well, yeah. but I think that's why a lot of women don't go to follow-up appointments. Right. I mean, I think that there are times that there's so much shaming, um, and unintended guilt that gets put on us when we're even walking through the door, um, you know, going in, feeling unsure of whether we're doing things right or if we're doing things wrong, our body has just changed completely right I mean there's a lot of times where things are just like so puffy and if you've had a c-section and like is this healing correctly and you've got a million questions and then you go to the doctor and they make one comment that derails us we're not asking any more questions right we're not we're just going to be like okay great I guess I'll figure this out and hopefully have good friends that can help walk us through it but um 
yeah, I mean, I hope with this podcast is to figure out what to ask and what's normal and what's not normal. And if you're experiencing these symptoms, what can you do? Like, how do you advocate for yourself? What kind of self-help things can you do? Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing how much pelvic floor information is out there now. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know what a pelvic floor was until a couple of years ago. Like, honest to God, I'd never heard that term. Um, and then like on Facebook, you know, you've got that um, algorithm. And somehow I started getting classes offered about what a pelvic floor is and how to exercise it. And I was like, oh, my God, this would have been really nice to know several years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, what you were just sharing just sort of sparked something for me. And I mean, Yes, it's important to know what questions to ask, but also you should have an OB that you feel so secure and comfortable with that none of these questions should be unbroachable. My OB, I love, I love him. I mean, I, 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 I would have a, a friendship with the man if it maybe wasn't a conflict. I, I love, I adore him. I think he's wonderful, and he because our relationship was so comfortable, I think is probably why I did make that um, leap to, to ask what was going on. And then he, you know, did explain to me what was going on with my body, explained to me what could be done about it. And then when I decided to get the surgery, didn't make me feel bad about it. You know, I feel like a lot of OBs would have been like, well, all you need to do is go work, work it out. You just need to work out. That's what you need to do. And I mean, it wasn't going to happen for me. So that was the answer for me. I know that that isn't the only answer, but that's the one that I chose. But because he was approachable and kind and knew me and we had a good rapport, I could, I could talk to him about all that stuff. That it is key. I think it's also hard. I mean, this gets into more of like a, a bigger issue, a more societal issue of, of insurance. Um, I had a particular insurance company that um, I would go in and they would say, you get a physician's assistant every like two or three. And I think I only got to meet with, with my primary care physician like twice throughout my entire pregnancy with Zoe and they weren't even the ones that delivered her because I had such a long birth, they had to switch out. And so I didn't even know the person uh, who delivered Zoe. So I, I think it would be ideal if you could find somebody that could take you from step one through delivery and kind of follow you afterwards. But if you have limited insurance or you don't know like how to go get a midwife or something like that. I mean, I guess that could also be another episode. Um, But like, how do you work with the insurance that you're kind of stuck with? And and how do you acclimate to a different physician or doctor every visit that you go into? I think that's where you get the shutdown is you're like, well, I don't know you. And this is, uh, you know, it's awkward and uncomfortable and, um, you see a new person every time. And so you don't get a chance to create a rapport and it's a very intimate thing that's happening. Like, and it's scary. I don't care if you're having a perfectly healthy, amazing pregnancy, there is still fear and there is still a ton of unknown. And so I think it'd be amazing that if, you know, we we were all had great rapports or, you know, good insurance, but I think 
until then, stuff like this is so important. I too love my gynecologist, <laughs> but I also understand, you know, sometimes he was also just really, it, it, once I got to know him really well, he would take the time with me. Um, but I think they're busy, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. and you just had a healthy baby and you should be happy and please go yeah. on your way. Yeah. And, and I don't mean yeah. that as an insult at all to my gynecologist. He's was an amazing man and truly did spend a lot of time with me when I needed it. But, you know, I heard somebody one time in the waiting room being like, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. I've been waiting so long. And I was like, it, so it, it's, I think it's hard. Yeah. They have oh, a it's a different tangent, balance. but definitely. Well, and with COVID and just the, you know, and, there oh, yeah. so much complications with that. And, you know, like I, I know, either my husband would come with me to some of my post um, appointments or like sometimes my mom would come with me or my sister to kind of ask the questions because they they had been mamas too and so that was nice but like now it can only be you like I, there's only one person allowed in there and if you're flustered or that your baby's crying or you know oh god I can't you, all you mamas right now that are pregnant or having babies during this time like we're just sending you so much love and support and saying we're here for you, even though we don't know you, hopefully this brings you some comfort of you can do this. And um, there are resources out there and Yael seems like an amazing resource for people. Um, Danan does a great job of putting up people's information um, so people can reach out. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Um, like I always say, you can always, um, tag us in one of the posts or just let us know um, who you want to talk to or what questions or comments you may have. Well, thank you so much. Thank you guys coming on our so show. much. Thank you for the work you're doing too. It matters. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, especially to Gretchen for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for listening to This Is Hard, our podcast celebrating the hilarious, beautiful, horrific, mysterious, untold, unspoken, disgusting, and amazing adventures of becoming and being a parent. Brought to you by Misty White, Gretchen Levy, and me, Danan Moore. To learn more about This Is Hard, our podcast, follow our organization, Parenting Naked Collaborative, on the web at parentingnaked.com, on Facebook or Instagram at Parenting Naked. Thank you, and until next time, be well.